Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special annual holiday spectacular, or I guess I should say spooktacular. This is the Halloween episode where, um, like, you know, over here, Halloween uh, is about two months long. So uh, joining me... Or for some of us, all year long. All year long. Joining me today is Brian, and we're going to talk about, um, you know, Brian Latendre has been on the show before, and um, so we're going to talk about books and movies and writing all things spooky and creepy and ghosty and he's reading a new book and I'm actually reading one of his books so um we have a lot of writing and book things to talk about and we're going to try to keep everything sort of uh, like horror-ish themed so hey that's my favorite theme in the world so thank you for having me on I'm so honored to be on your your Halloween themed episode because that is my favorite thing in the world. Great. Well, um, I don't even have my pumpkin carving plans yet because, you know, no. I'm, I'm usually like um, totally in like just nerding out over my pumpkins. And uh, so I'm well, gonna... it's only the 12th, so we can't hold that against you yet. I feel like we have one good weekend left before we're expected to be in complete Halloween mode. But I think for you know, horror fans were sort of in Halloween mode every month the of the year. Yeah. Uh, so this is like oh, just a month-long celebration for us. You know, I figure because there's this whole Christmas in July thing, there's absolutely uh-huh. no reason why we can't do Halloween whenever we want. Oh, absolutely. We're we're doing a um, sort of a theme for not just October, but like for September, September, October, November, and probably part of December called Frightening Fall. And so everything that we're doing is sort of tied into um, that particular theme. But yeah, this is uh, this is my favorite time of year, not just because of Halloween, but also because of the weather in New England. This is like yeah. the best weather really, in my, for me. Like I'm not a fan of the super hot summers. I'm much more a fan of the crisp fall weather where you can put a sweater on and, you know, the air is really nice and crisp. Out. That That's my kind of weather. Me too. And I'm obviously a huge fan of pumpkin spice. I don't care if people make fun of it. Um, no, and this is the time of year. You got to wear that on your sleeve. Yeah, I, I lo- love me some pumpkin spice and pumpkin pie and roasted pumpkin and pumpkin raviolis and whatever you got. And um, yeah, so uh, we were up at Lake George uh, about a week ago, and the weather up there was truly perfect. Um, and you know, we climbed up this mountain, and uh, and I say climbed, meaning like it was probably a fifty fifty foot slope from the car to the top of this thing and uh and just you could sit up at this observation deck and look out and see vermont like it was literally down at the bottom of the hill and across the river i know it's kind of amazing some of the views that you get in the hills and mountains around here and then this time of year we're not even at peak foliage yet but it's still like it's changing now and it's just so beautiful yeah that kind of bummed us out because we were hoping to see the foliage and, and it wasn't there because down here our weather is really freaky for some reason in jersey um it's been super hot and our trees haven't actually had color they've literally turned brown and dropped (laughs) yeah yeah it's been weird this year again it's october 12th and and we were just in the 80s the other day yeah um here in massachusetts as well so it's been it's been kind of all over the place but then this morning walking into work it was like windy and cold and i was like yes this is what i want i took um Gus hiking for 90 minutes this afternoon because I didn't take him out this morning. It was raining. So we went on a big hike 
and um, and it was perfect weather. I mean, absolutely perfect. And I felt bad wanting to bring him in because he did not want to come in. But I'm like, sorry, buddy. I hear the lawnmower man, and I don't know where he is. He might be coming know, right? up this way. He, you know, he might do the trails. I have no idea what he's doing. So, um, so who is we though? When you talked about the fall, frightening fall. So the Midnight Society is a writer's group that I'm in that was started by my friend Jolene Haley, who is also my writing partner and and wrote Harrowed with me. Um, And it is a group of writers who are all very much horror fans. And so the the website is MidnightSocietyTales.com. And essentially, the group of us blog about things that are horror-related. Um, there's a lot of YA writers in the group, so there's a lot of um, sort of discussion about different YA projects and things like that. And then we sort of have themes at different parts of the year. Uh, we just went through the Summer of Screams, which was a writing showcase that Jolene had started on her website, but we also were supporting over at the Midnight Society as well. And what that was was a writer and illustrator showcase where there were writers, whoever wanted to be a part of it basically could have responded to sort of the open call, and it was uh, pieces of art and short stories that were all around the theme of summer camp. And so it was sort of like a a love letter to Friday the 13th and all that kind of stuff that we did for the summer. And then as we got to fall, we were kind of thinking about, well, what are we going to do now? So we decided to go with Frightening Fall. And so we do a a bunch of different things. We're doing uh, a book chat for the new Stephen King and Owen King book, Sleeping Beauties. We're going to do a couple of talks. Uh, one we're going to do on Twitter in October and one in November. Uh, and then uh, Kathy Palm and I do a lot of live tweets of horror movies. So we'll pick a night and we'll set it up on Twitter where we let people know, like, oh, we're going to watch this movie on this night and we're going to live tweet it. And we, you know, just talk about fun facts about the movie and kind of do our little sort of, um, you know, mystery science theater discussion as we sort of go along and things like that. And so we do a lot of stuff like that to sort of celebrate the different themes of the year that are going on in the blog and things like that. So we're, we're squarely in the middle of Frightening Fall, and we've done, uh, we just did, what did we live tweet? We live tweeted the uh, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, which is the one where he, it's sort of uh, Jason versus a Carrie-like character. Uh, her name's Tina in the movie, but we just, just did that one, and before that we did Nightmare on Elm Street, and we're actually planning our next live tweet now, and I think it's going to be John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, because I'm a huge Carpenter fan. So, um, so yeah, so we do stuff like that, and then between the blog and the book chats and the live tweets of movies, there's kind of always something going on, and then people are blogging pretty much three or four times a week on the Midnight Society Tales website. So if you want to hear book reviews or you know, um, things about books that we are all working on, that we have coming out, all of that stuff is sort of there, and, and that was a community that Jolene uh, introduced me to, and that's how I became affiliated with that group, and so it's her and I and um, and a bunch of us, Amy Jafrida. Yeah, so uh, Kathy Palm and Mary Rezat and uh, Faith McKay and Jolene and myself and uh, Victoria Nations and Erica Secor and I hope I'm not forgetting anyone over at the blog, but we all are part of that blog together and do um, do different things throughout the week and throughout the month. And, and like I said, with between the themes and uh, and stuff like that, we've always got something going on. Yeah, I know that Jolene always ends up like having the most fun sounding projects. So she, you know what? She's addicted to that, and I tell her that that's her superpower is bringing people together because she 
um, even though she does not have time to be like taking on another project, like she'll get these ideas of like, oh, I want to do a summer, a, a summer themed project, or I want to do a, a camp themed project and stuff like that. And so she will come up with these ideas. She puts the call out. There's always a bunch of people that want to respond and, um, and be a part of it. And so that was something that I started doing very early on in knowing, uh, Jolene. Um, Oh, Jenna Lene, I almost forgot on our blog. I'm just making sure I'm not forgetting anybody else. I think I got everybody there. So um, that's the Midnight Society crew, but you can go to MidnightSocietyTales.com and, and check that out. So, well, I know so, yeah, that you mentioned Mary, and I know that um, on Instagram she was posting pictures that two two people I know were at the Owen King and Stephen King panel or signing yes. or whatever that was. It was, I don't know, they were on stage alone, so... So Mary went to one in Toronto, I believe, and then Victoria went to one in Florida, I believe. Um, so they both ended up uh, seeing those guys when they were on tour. I was very jealous because I did not get to see them. And I think they gave out, like, only a certain number of signed copies of the book oh. when they were at that. So based on whatever ticket you got or something. But I, I'm pretty sure that Mary got a signed copy of the book. I know, it, like, mistaken. her Instagram was so fangirl. It was so funny. Oh, her Instagram is great because she's constantly taking pictures and updating it and, and with uh, very cool Halloween stuff. And she's got a ton of stuff on there right now about like crafts and, and things that she's doing for Halloween, which is cool. Yes. So, And I was interested at how you pronounced her name because I would never have guessed that's how you said it. Written. I believe I'm pronouncing it correctly, but uh, I might be wrong. But she has a name. It's R-A-J-O-T-T-E, and I believe it's Rezat. So, okay. uh, but she'll she'll certainly correct me if I'm wrong. But I think I got close with okay. that. Okay, and she also has a Patreon. So, you know, I like to promote my friends' Patreons too. So go check that out. Um, but speaking of Stephen King, he's clearly the king of sure. of horror and Halloween. And what I did this afternoon was. Um, I thought, well, let me go look up, you know, what other people think the best horror books are. And because um, I asked on Twitter. And so shout out to Craig from Twitter who sent me his nominations. He likes The Exorcist, The Amityville Horror, and Salem's Lot. So since I am the type of person that can't handle most horror stories. <laughs> um, I choose to interview people and make friends with people like yourself and, yeah. and uh, get the real scoop and everything because um, uh, I, I think I, I mentioned to Jolene on Instagram, she was rereading Joe Hill's Heart Shaped Box. And uh -huh. she's like, oh, she's like, oh, I'm taking out a Heart Shaped Box. I'm going to have to reread it this month. So I, I commented on her post. I said, I was only about maybe 50 pages into that book, and I had to just put it away. <laughs> yeah, and see, you're ahead of me because I haven't even read that book. I'm, I'm uh, like, I couldn't do it. I couldn't finish it. I couldn't. I was like, nope, I can't do it. And, it's, and it creeps me out knowing that it's on my shelf. Every once in a while, my eyes will catch the spine of it, and I'll just like, my, my I, it goes right up my back. I'm like, nope. Is there a particular type of horror that you – are averse to, or is it just sort of the scares in general? It's the scary. Yeah, I don't like. Yeah. I, I mean, because I read Dracula, and I and I uh -huh. enjoy Dracula enough. Um, but um, you know, so I think part of it is um, some people really make 
things creepy, like creepy, because because most horror stories are a mystery. There's usually some kind of mystery. I mean, I I suppose if you look at horror movies, there's no mystery involved. Like you know, there's just people being chased by uh, you know somebody wielding a weapon. Sure, but the, then you have the mystery of like in Scream, who's the killer? Who's you know, the killer? so so yeah. there are a lot of uh, horror that are around mysteries. There are some yes. certainly that uh, it, that are more sort of fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Which is more like where you know with the thing and stuff like that, where it's yeah, more of so like fear of this. Uh, or like other if you're, entity. you know, the, all the shark ones, you know, trapped in the water. Sure. Well, that and that to yeah. me strikes home more as like a fear that of things that could actually happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and like, that's uh, what, you know, I've had. I, I had. Uh, it was interesting. Um, one of my temp jobs, uh, the manager of our department told me that she was afraid of the exorcist. And her exact reasoning was because that stuff can happen. Oh, sure. And so I, uh, it was interesting to hear somebody validate it so strongly. She was like, because that can happen. And it oh, was, as a kid who went to Catholic school, like, yeah, absolutely. That, that is what makes The Exorcist, to me, one of the most terrifying films of all time, is the fact that um, if you are uh, a person of faith, that that is that's tied to almost any sort of faith you know that the that's the sort of themes that are explored in the exorcist and so certainly if if you are a person of faith then that is something that poses a very terrifying right. you know, and it sort doesn't of, have uh, to be christian specific it's just oh no exactly I mean, not demon right. possession is kind of exactly know, in a lot of things so it sort of hits that universal yeah. theme yeah so so the the king family is is obviously like dominating the the charts and everything so i pop so i looked up best horror stories on goodreads because i didn't like amazon's lists they were, yeah. they were their chart thing is really awkward and it's really based on what you've read through their services and sure uh, you know and uh, so I, I was just kind of like oh whatever like we know what the new york times best-selling list is like you know so i went to goodreads and there's like thousands upon thousands of different lists on goodreads so i just went to the the first one i saw that said best horror books um and of course four of the top five were stephen king and uh-huh. I think the oddball out was Dracula or something. So I went and I found one called Best Horror Books by People Other Than Stephen King. Right, because you can always throw Stephen King into any list, right? So, Literally. So yeah. I thought it was so funny. So on, on this list was Dracula by Stoker, obviously, The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty, I Am Legend and Other Stories, that surprised me, by Richard Matheson. Mm-hmm. The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, Ghost Story by Peter Straub. So, um, uh, yeah, I Am Legend I did not think of as a horror story. Yeah, well, I, the um, I'm trying to think of who did the movie. The Vincent Price movie is called uh, The Last Man on Earth, oh, I think it is. okay. Where... Where that was an earlier adaptation of that, and that's a really interesting one. I want to say that it's Vincent, the last minute. Vincent Price was, you know, the you know one of the actor equivalents of Stephen King, um, right? Because you know you have Boris Karloff and and others, but I mean Vincent Price was just such a presence. Um, Right. So, uh, 1964, Last Man on Earth was the was the film based on Matheson's I Am Legend, and so it's an early version of that, and it's a really good one. Like, if you haven't seen that one, and it's not like um, it's not jump scary or anything. Like, I think it's a good horror movie for people that maybe are not super into horror. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good one to explain, and it's definitely not the action movie that was the uh, Will Smith one for sure. Okay. Yeah. 
because, you know, like a, just a story of a dude and a dog, like on John Wick. I mean, you know, you, you got <laughs> right. me. My heart will melt. Yeah, no, I enjoyed I Am Legend, but that I think I prefer The Last Man on Earth with okay. um, with Vincent Price. Well, um, so then I just jumped down to number 10 on the list to see where where it was. And Frankenstein by Mary Shelley was was number 10 on people other than Stephen King. <laughs> Which I like more than Dracula. That, yeah, I haven't read Frankenstein. It's terrible. but It's um, really good. Yeah, I imagine that I probably would like it a lot more than Dracula. So, so then I popped down to ghost stories because I thought, well, you know, horror, one of the reasons I love talking to you is because, and Howie, uh, Howie Noel has been on the show before. Um, Howie did last year's Halloween Spectacular with me. Um, it, horror is just such a huge, giant category, just like mystery, because, um, and they're often sort of categorized together like in amazon you have to go to like mystery suspense thriller and then down from that is like you know crime mysteries or crime fiction or something and then down you know and then or horror like it's they sort of follow a very parallel path yeah horror to me is always sort of the it's not necessarily overlooked but it's kind of always shoved in a corner mm-hmm. and and that i think for horror fans and for people who write horror there's always that sort of chip on your shoulder of like your favorite genre not getting the love that it deserves you right. know it's it, you could certainly say the same thing of like fantasy right you know like when oh when, absolutely fantasy people make fun of you know the sword and sorcery stuff and you know they which make i adore of, they make fun of cozy mysteries trust me it's like i love yep. i love a mystery that has recipes in it okay and right. you know and then i hang out with people who write about um you know like brutal serial killers or whatever and sure know, hardcore 70s cop tough guy books yep. <laughs> and i was like well whatever i'm like where's the tea <laughs> So, um, so, so, best ghost stories: The Shining by Stephen King, um, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, and interesting that I would have forgotten A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens was t- in right. number three. Yeah, that people don't necessarily ne- think of in think that of. in that way. Yeah, but truly. Um, and then, uh, then Ghost Story, and then Heart Shaped Box by Joe Hill, as we talked about. But yeah, A Christmas Carol. Um, you might not think about reading at Halloween, but go ahead. See, the irony for me is that I, my horror, my love of horror comes from movies and it comes from TV. Mm-hmm. And so, like, because I grew up, uh, I was a D&D kid, so I grew up on a lot of fantasy. And so, as far as reading horror, like, certainly when, you know, I was in middle school and stuff, I started reading Stephen King. And particularly for Stephen King and Clyde Barker, I am a fan of their short stories as opposed to, um, mostly for Stephen King, it's the short stories. Mm-hmm. For Clive Barker, I do like some of his longer works. But the thing about Clive Barker for me is that he mixes in a lot of fantasy into uh, his horror, and so that for me was like the perfect combination because I was this D and D kid who also was really getting into horror movies, and to have Barker's sort of uh, more dark fantasy take on a lot of horror was really, um, I really sort of sunk my teeth into that. But I grew up a child of the '80s, and so. I was born in 74, and so I am all about 80s horror movies. So the worst cheesy B-horror movies that you could possibly imagine, there was a time where we had a uh, movie uh, rental store in our neighborhood, and a friend of mine and I from about 8th grade through our entire high school essentially rented every horror movie that had come out up until the year of like 1992, 93. And so we watched everything. And this, this particular rental store would rent rated R movies to us as kids. 
And mm-hmm. so we would our summer was basically spent going and getting a couple of movies every day and they were a buck or whatever and we would go get a couple of movies every day and we would watch them and then we'd take those back and we'd get a couple more every other day. So we watched everything. And so my love of horror really um, blossomed when, you know, I was in sort of the middle school and high school years where I watched everything that came out. But it probably started when I saw Poltergeist. Um, and I saw Poltergeist when I was not, I shouldn't have watched it when I was too young <laughs> to be watching Poltergeist. Yeah. Uh, but when I watched Poltergeist, it essentially scarred me for life, but at the same time made me a horror fan. I see. And so, yeah, um, I had the opposite effect, um, a very similar story. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you, so if, if there's more about Poltergeist. No, no, you it. go ahead. You tell me about yours. Well, you know, same era. And, uh-huh. um one of the girls in school, I think we were maybe in seventh grade, and she her birthday was Halloween, and uh-huh. she had a slumber party. So it was just a whole bunch of girls in the basement, and, um, you know, so her parents had three Halloween movies for us to watch. And um, I think we were, uh, you know, whatever the hell age we were turning, like 13. I think we were turning 13. It was like, it was Halloween. It was just one of those creepy things. So, um, and my mother was just like, she did not want me to, she knew, she just knew what was going to happen. So, um, and I remember uh, sleeping through the, the later movies, but, it just, I was so terrified by Halloween. And then, um, I can't remember, I think it was her dad came out with like the cake. So he happened to be holding this very giant cutting knife that glinted because the room was dark. Uh-huh. So like the knife, like just got that glint to it off of the TV. And like, I think all of us screamed. I mean, because it it did look like a giant knife. Um, right. You know, and it, the timing was ridiculous. So um, a slumber party with girls turning 13 um, <laughs> is probably scarier. But, <laughs> but but it's funny how those experiences, like, you have certain memories that are tied to those, right? And they yeah. sort of define your love of a genre or your um, your aversion to a particular genre. Like, I remember even before... Uh, poltergeist and when I was younger a friend of mine had a record and it's very hard to get today you can you can get it on vinyl but it's uh, it's pretty expensive now but it was under this label called Mr. Pickwick but it was called Famous Ghost Stories with Scary Sounds and there were a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe stories Washington Irving Charles Dickens and it was a narrator who narrated these stories and um, and I believe uh, the, the one that always scared the living crap out of me was uh, the Telltale Heart from Edgar Allan Poe. And I so, think I remember this. So you'll know. I'll send you a picture of the um, back cover of this particular record, but you'll know yeah. it as soon as you see it, like I'm because sure. it had it had very um, specific artwork on the back. But there was a there was the Telltale Heart one, and the way that the narrator read the Telltale Heart story was so scary. Mm-hmm. And we used to. Uh, my friend had a record player in his basement, and this was when I was in like elementary school. But we used to go down and we'd turn all the lights off, and we would listen to this record and scare the crap out of ourselves. Of and course. there was something so awesome about that, but also so terrifying. And I was a kid who had nightmares too when I was a, when I was younger. And mm-hmm. so 
I wanted to sleep with the light on. I would have really bad nightmares. And so I think it was this sort of fascination with the fact that I was so terrified of these things that led me to like never fully go away from them. Like it was it, to me, it was this kind of fascination with how scary I found these things and how they affected me so much that led me to like go from being terrified to being fascinated to then being a, a horror fan, you know, and really getting into the stories and, and wanting to experience all of them and things like that. And so, so for started, a, like a comfort factor, like if you're having a bad day, like for a comfort, comfort watch, will you turn to horror instead of something like super charming? Absolutely. And it's because uh, now that I also like write horror and I, I'm always interested to see how the story is being told. And I and for a comfort food for me though, like yeah, I absolutely like the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, the Friday the Thirteenth series is my favorite series of all time, but I love the Halloween series. And John Carpenter is my favorite director, and so any of that stuff I can put on any time, and it is comfort food for me because I've seen them so many times, and I've you know memorized so many of the moments from the movie, and I have specific memories of watching these movies for the first time, you know, with friends of mine and things like that. That it is very comforting, even though to someone who hasn't experienced those or is not a fan of horror, like that's the last thing in the world that they would want to relax to or, but I, that's why I'm I'm like, uh, you know, just in awe of that. Like, I mean, I still sleep with certain uh, lights on. I got, um, sure. I have um, like battery operated candles and I have like salt Uh lamps so that there's just sort of an ambient glow at least. Um, And I'll usually fall asleep with the TV on and then it'll turn off. But I, yeah, because I can't stand the dark. Um, and yeah. it was really bad for well for a while there. I just basically hadn't slept for I don't know over a year um, because of, of terrors. So sure. Um, so I had at that point it was like trying to sleep with all the lights on, and you know I would sleep for like ten minutes at a time, and then wake up screaming and ten, you know, like it was weird. And um, so I mean I put on like the same thing over and over again as well but it's usually comedies like i mean sure the the, the day because i've heard it's coming that parks and rec leaves netflix i'm like yeah. so screwed because <laughs> i will watch season three for whatever reason season three i think is the best i will watch season three over and over and over again and i've done that with psych and monk yeah um I, you know i would say my binge watch comfort show like that is the twilight zone um which to me is the single greatest television show ever created. See that and, I remember catching as a as a child uh, and being terrified. Me too. No, same here. I mean, me too. When I saw certain episodes as a kid, I was absolutely terrified. Um, you know, uh, there's there's to me the great thing about the Twilight Zone is that yes, I would say the majority of them have some sort of a creepy or even horror kind of tinged angle but there's also i would say like 25 percent of them are there's whimsical episodes of the twilight zone there's uh very touching episodes of the twilight zone and so i love all of those you know like it's uh, literally i mean first of all i feel like we're living it right now but um it's every single episode has a lesson had something to teach and that's you know like talking about how how important the story is of a good of something good horror as opposed to just gore um i really like the idea of the saw movie it's it's saw the ones where they have to like it's a game and they have to figure out how to unlock things or whatever right um 
I really like that premise. I will never, ever, ever watch those movies. And and there's like a new one out, I guess. Um, yeah, Jigsaw's coming Jigsaw. out, which is the the sort of I don't know if it's a prequel or not, or know. if it takes place after them. But yeah, those, those yeah. sort of jump the shark somewhere along the way. But to me, um, all good horror series do jump the shark because that is part of what you're supposed to do in horror. And so, like, I do like when they get super silly and dumb, Ridiculous. you know, as the series goes on. That's kind of uh, one of the when cool they things end up about in space or whatever. You know. Oh, one of my favorite Friday the Thirteenth is Jason <laughs> X, which where he's in space. That's <laughs> the one, one that everybody else ones. hates. Yeah, everyone hates that. I absolutely adore that one. Um, that's so cute. <laughs> but the Twilight Zone, man. Like, I would say if somebody is not into horror but wants to dip their toe in and see, like, if it's something that they could be interested in, I think The Twilight Zone is a great place to start because um, a lot of the episodes aren't outright horror. A lot of them just have something about them that is very wrong yeah. or uh, a situation that a character that is put in that is very creepy. And some of them have sort of an O. Henry ending where you don't really see the the twist until the end of it, and it just sort of leaves you thinking, but, man... What a fantastic, fantastic show. I think every year around New Year's is when they do the Twilight Zone that. Marathon. I was like, New Year's um, Day. I think it's New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. They do the what, marathon uh, oh, because the one it. channel has the Honeymooners. <laughs> and, um, and I bought the DVD set a while ago, but I back in the day, I had actually like videotaped the whole entire yes, marathon because I wanted to have them all... Um, you know, t- uh, my favorite episode ever is is not so much a horror episode, but it's with Burgess Meredith, and it's called Time Enough at Last, and it's about a guy who named Henry Bemis who only wants to read books, right? So uh, us yeah. book nerds can totally identify with that. What what better thing in the world than to be able to read a book? And he works at a bank. I remember and this. And so yeah. he is always trying to find a place to go read a book without getting in trouble. He's reading books while he's supposed to be doing his work, and he's getting yelled at and everything. So he goes into the vault in order to read a book, uh, it just so happens that nuclear war breaks out as he is uh, in the vault and he ends up coming out of the vault to find that the apocalypse has happened. And so he spends a good portion of the episode wandering around this sort of wasteland and seeing that no one's there and he's like the last one left and he is contemplating whether or not he even wants to continue to go on and then he realizes that the library still has all their books and he, you know, he starts stumbling across all these books and he realizes that, holy cow, I now have time to read all the books that I ever wanted to read. And he starts piling them up by month and by subject and all by all this kind of stuff. And he, and he is um, basically ready to spend the rest of his life reading. And then he bends over at one point or he stumbles and his glasses fall off and break. He can't read without his glasses. So he, the, the episode literally ends with him, just in complete despair because he had time to read all the books that he never had a chance to read and then his glasses broke and oh, now he basically can't see anything without them. And so that was just a gut-wrencher of the Twilight Zone episode, but that was one that was like not necessarily horror, but the feeling that it leaves you with at the end of it is like brutal. Yes. Um, but there was another one called The Howling Man, which I think is another one of my favorite episodes, where a guy basically um, stumbles across, it's a stormy night out, and he's out in the woods or the wilderness or whatever, and he ends up coming across this place where there's like a bunch of, um, almost like shepherds that, that you know, that, that, but they're part of a religious order that's in this particular, um, almost like a castle. And so they take him in, and they don't want to take him in, and they, they really don't want strangers there, and, and he ends up getting taken in and they give him a place to stay 
and they basically tell him to don't pay any attention to the man in that room over there. And there's like a guy who's locked up in like a, almost like a cell, and he is howling. And he's, <laughs> you know, basically, and he's called the Howling Man. And so, but it basically, it's a guy who they tell him to stay away from this guy. That it, what it basically turns out to be is that the devil incarnate has been trapped by this group in this place, and they're they're sort of tasked with keeping him there for eternity. And the guy who is the the sort of um, person who they let stay for the night, the the howling man starts talking to him and convinces him that hey these people are all crazy and they have me trapped here and can you just let me out and and uh, and you know because these guys are crazy and so he does the guy lets out the devil and right before his eyes he transforms into the devil Ooh. and so now that he just let the devil out he is informed by you know, these guys at, who are part of this religious order, that it's now his job to track the devil down. And so as the episode ends, it is years and years later, and he finally has the devil trapped in a room, and he's explaining to, like, the cleaning lady, like, hey, whatever you do, don't open this door. you got to trust me. You, you can't let this guy out. And so he's now the guy who sounds like he is off his rocker and is trying to convince someone else, like, don't let this thing out again because I just spent my entire life, you know, tracking him down and, and trying to trap him. And it's like, that's the type of storytelling that you get with The Twilight Zone, which to me, just like every episode was like that. Mm -hmm. There's so many different episodes, you know, the, the, that uh, it's a good life where the little boy has the, the power. The little boy to, one. Oh, my God. That's horrifying. the one I was like, thinking of. is straight yeah. horror. Um, little boy with all the power. Yep. And a great example of like stuff that they're not showing you that you, like, when he's creating creatures with his mind, and you don't get to see what those are, you just get to see other people's reaction to them, like, oh, that's a really good thing that you made. Maybe you could wish that away into the cornfield, because they can't look at it, because it's whatever he's created is a monstrosity. And so um, so that that episode was just absolutely horrifying. Yeah, that's so, bad. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it's, you know, thinking about uh, how horror can be quirky and, and everything reminded me of Arsenic and Old Lace. Yep. And, you know, these adorable old ladies. <laughs> and it was, you know, it's like, oh, never mind the body and the window seat or what, you know. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, and, and think, you know, so there were laughing moments, and then, and then there's like, you know, these very creepy moments in it. But, um, and a lot of mystery but, has a kind of, um, you know, a tinge of horror to it, right? Yes. Because it because it deals with dark subject matter. It really so, does. I mean, unless you're talking about, uh, you know, like cat burglary, and, and you know, and right, even right, then right. you're trying to you are trying to build suspense. Yes, but. Um, but yeah, definitely. That's what I mean. Like mystery and horror have so much crossover, and that's why sure. um, I also looked up um, because I was wondering. I was going to ask you since it's funny. Your you know the uh, your Midnight Society group seems very female dominated, and yet when I look at these lists, they tend to be very male dominated. Though I mean the publishing world obviously sure. was so it's a different different subject but um so i looked up female authors in the psychology thrillers and suspense and um and i i basically when i saw the list i was like aka i'm going to call this list the books amber will probably never ever read ever <laughs> um because out of the top five three of them were jillian flynn books gone girl dark places and sharp objects and as interesting 
as they are and i and they sound so interesting uh-huh. her it also sounds terrifying um and then the other two is the girl on the train by paula hawkins and into yeah. the darkest corner by elizabeth haynes and um you know same like just the movie commercials for gone girl had me scared yeah. So oh, for sure. I can't imagine like the day I if I ever ever try to sit down and read that because I know it's brilliant. I mean, everybody I've talked to says it's brilliant. Um, you know, so the fact that she's got such you know her other books like she didn't have like just one hit and then the other ones were eh, you know, <laughs> right? Like, everybody's got you know all of their you know all of her books and um. For- for me, I was big into when I was in college. I was a huge fan of Patricia Cornwell. Okay. Huge fan of Patricia Cornwell uh, and Sue Grafton, who did like the Alphabet the series, Alpha, yeah, yeah, which I was a huge fan. Of. And I think I got to like N or O in that particular series and read a bunch of those. And um, the two of them, like those, were my favorite because I was huge into mystery. So uh, yeah, my they, my uh, like obviously Patricia Cornwell, um, she's she's basically a forensic expert. Like I, yes. I, I can't imagine like she could probably go testify in court. <laughs> I don't know if it's oh, for sure. Like she has studied so hard. It's ridiculous. I follow her on Twitter and I've never read one of her books. <laughs> I think you would really like them. And, and I was very fascinated with her stuff because I, for a while wanted to go into forensics. And so yeah, when I was in college, I studied criminal justice and psychology. And so that was for a while, like one of my, um, sort of things that I was that I was planning on doing and going into, and so I loved her books. And they're, you know, they can get pretty dark. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I think Sue Grafton's I found to be a little more not lighthearted, but not necessarily as um, as sort of dark as mm-hmm. uh, Patricia Cornwell's. But I, two, those were two of my favorite mystery series for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because I remember that episode of The Office where they were trying to get like a, a celebrity spokesperson, and it was like Sue Grafton is at the mall. <laughs> <And they're> just, <laughs> I don't know, just some of those stupid things that stuck in my head. Um, but yeah, so and even like one of my favorite series is called The Herbal Mysteries um, by Susan Wittig Albert. And they're cozies. They're definitely cozies, and they're you know they have recipes, and you know she yep. she has a quaint little shop and stuff like that. Um, and there's a couple of them where they get kind of dark. Um, one where like a high school coach is you know getting his hands on kids, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so it's like so they do have they do have these dark moments, and then. And then other times it's like, you know, bizarre murders of killing people because they're allergic to peanuts and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and it's interesting because, like, for me, like, the I don't – my wife is super into uh, crime procedurals and watches, like, all of them. And I can't stand them. And I – because for me, like, I – a lot of the horror that I like and a lot of the sort of escapism that I have, I want it to be further away from reality. So, like, the stuff that's more grounded in reality is not as much my cup of tea as the stuff that is just way out there. Like, I that's where I prefer to go for my escape. But she, like, watches every crime procedural she watches. Um, those are her primary TV shows. And she, like me, was a criminal justice major and stuff. So it, it's it's sort of right in her wheelhouse. But, um, but, yeah, I sort of 
got off the crime procedural train after Law and Order, mm-hmm. like the original Law and Order, the old Law and Order episodes. Um, that's sort of where I jumped off. But I'm 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 much more um, you know a murder she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> type of guy then uh I'm more of like the Agatha Christie mystery as opposed to like the you know Cop the sort of thing. yeah because I mean I just like I'm not I'm just not a huge fan of of the way that those shows have have sort of turned out more now so like um like I'll read like the uh the Kim Harrison series the the hollow series with um the bounty hunter Rachel Morgan where it's got you know, vampires in it and things yeah. like that. Like I'm, I'm. That's much more my, up my alley. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know. I am. Um, I, I read the Anita Blake comic book for a little while. Oh, me too. And it was, um, it was really like funny that way. That it was, you know, that there's a, and that's basically we just started watching the show Ghosted. Uh huh. Um, with Adam Scott and Craig Robinson. Oh yeah, how was that? I haven't oh, watched it yet. Oh, it's so good. It's so so good. Um, because that's basically what it is. Like these two guys get pulled into this like you know secret police force type of sure. Um, you know the Bureau Underground. It's very BPRD. Um, so basically, if you like that kind of stuff, like Hellboy and, and stuff yep. like that, then um, you know because they have to. It's very Scooby like. They have like. You know, there are these two guys. Well, at least the one is a cop. The other one was a physics doctor or something, and he lost his job because people thought he was nuts. So, um, so this, so so they make this, you know, obvious like um, lethal weapon-ish kind of team. <laughs> you know, yeah. The one's very grounded in a cop, and, and the other one's just thinking of. of theoretical physics all the time. So, yeah. um, and they, you know, and they're ghost hunting, basically. Like, they're going out and catching creatures. Sort of, you know, like, um, Reaper was a great show for that. Oh, I loved Reaper. I, I was a big it. fan of Reaper. Yep. And, uh, you know, so very... That spe- show ended before its time, for sure. Seriously. seriously. Well, anything with Ray Wise is just... <laughs> I agree. Ray Wise, although I've never watched Twin Peaks. But Ray Wise is just... Um, I'm a big, big Twin Peaks fan. He's... He's a guy, man. He's the guy. He's yeah, he's great. And uh, Reaper was in Sco- Scooby Doo. Like I grew up on Scooby Doo. Yeah, Scooby Doo, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew. Like that. Yeah. is very foundational for me. And it's, and, and it's interesting though, though, thinking about the police procedurals because the Dynamite is doing Nancy Drew Hardy Boys comics. Yep. And they um, they specifically are doing them like old pulp noir instead of cutesy stuff. So it's, Which I love. Like it's, I, I, I Honestly, it's, I, I only read um, a couple issues of it, and it so far, and it's really good. Yeah, I bought, I bought a bunch of the um, paper cuts, Nancy Drew, mm-hmm. that were out a few years ago, Jim yeah, Salacrup's uh, yeah. company there, and, uh, and they did a really nice job with those. So we have a bunch of those here at the house, and we have Hardy Boys novels and Nancy Drew novels, and um, we have the Nancy Drew ones. We don't have any Hardy Boys, but they were on um, TV. I don't know if they're still on Netflix at all. Oh, the old ones. The old, yeah. Oh, that's so awesome! Yeah, those yeah. were great. Like, I, so I, I think I probably started with mystery before I really went down the horror, you know, sort of path in terms of stuff that I like to read. But I think one of the reasons I liked mystery when I was a kid and reading mysteries is because it was. Mm-hmm. kind of skirting the edge of horror sometimes and so it kind of you know then uh led me down that road so but yeah but like every yeah. everything that i write is definitely in some way influenced or informed by scooby-doo or you know there, there's definitely like 
the elements of the mystery stuff that I grew up loving are very evident in a lot of the horror stuff that I write. It's just really, I mean, and they did get like so wacky sometimes. Like I remember the Harlem Globetrotters being on. Oh, yeah, yeah, the crossover episodes were great. And um, like I think Fonzie was on. I mean, like it's just ludicrous. But, um, But how... Like how much of an impact something like that made made on, on you as a human being, and you know, like I could put on Scooby right now because they're still making the cartoons, and they now they they're making new comics. Which Mystery I, Incorporated was one of the greatest Scooby was, cartoons of all time. Yeah, so it's like I can still like go and like find them and throw them on, and I'm like, this is so great. Oh, they're timeless, absolutely. But the uh, I have I have not checked out the new comic. It's sort of got them like um, Diesel Punk. I looking. tried, and I love the creative team on it because Jam Dematius is working on that book. Yeah. But I wasn't into the whole uh, Scooby Apocalypse thing. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm much more. I was, I had higher hopes that they were going to bring back like a legit Scooby Doo series. Okay. Um, yeah, because I haven't checked it out. I was. I was just like, well, it looks like fun fan art, but I, you know, I can't believe they made that. But and yet, on the on the other hand, they brought the Flintstones comic books out right and people apparently love them yeah my buddy matt who i do secret identity with is a big fan of that flintstone series and really enjoyed it and i think it's over now but i but he really dug it um i didn't i did not read that i did read a couple of the scooby ones and i i could see what they were doing and i think that the book was pretty well received critically but as a scooby-doo fan it just wasn't what Mm -hmm. i was looking for you know like they did a really good job with the with the younger dc um kids' comics around Scooby-Doo for a long time. I think it yeah, was Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Where at Scooby-Doo, um, yeah. Which was awesome. Um, and uh, friends of mine uh, wrote and, well, uh, wrote and illustrated Ghoul Scouts. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So the Steve Bryan and Mark Stegbauer and the yep. rest of the team. Um, so I believe they are working on more Ghoul Scouts. Um, That's awesome. And Lumberjanes, is, you know, is oh, good all the time. Yep. Um, I'm I'm way behind on it, but um, seriously, like it's not just a summer camp book. It's not just a Halloween book. Like Lumberjanes is just always fabulous. And have you read? If you because obviously that's a boom book. Have you read Giant Days? Giant Days? No, no. I oh my God! I'm just gonna. It, this has nothing to do with horror. Like it's not a horror book at all. But I will tell you right now, Giant Days is probably my favorite comic book of the past five years. Okay. It is so good. It's. And it's very slice of life. It's about um, three girls that go to college together, and the the it's that classic like you go to college and you get roomed with people that are very different than you, mm-hmm. and you just sort of experience and form relationships with people and stuff like that. And it's very sort of I don't want to say mundane, but it's very sort of slice of life in the way that it is. But the humor is great, the writing is amazing, the artwork is beautiful, and it just brings me back to the time when I was in college in a very, uh, in a great way. It's just like, it's such a great book. So yeah, cool. if you, um, if you dig boom stuff and they do a great job with just about everything that they put out, I'm a huge fan of, yeah. of boom. but man, um, that book. So good. Um, there's a, uh, so basically, yeah, anything with like, uh, cryptozoology and mysteries and stuff, that's, oh, like, that's sure. what makes, you know, like Google <laughs> yeah. scouts and lumberjanes, like so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I love like doing monster research. It's so funny because like I could probably pick your brain literally every day that I'm trying to do research because I'll instead what I'll do is I'll usually just like throw questions out on Twitter. Um, 
because the adventures with Gus that I've been writing, these are the adventure yep. stories of my cat. Um, he has his, you know, the cats have their own detective agency here in the house. Yep. <laughs> so, um, uh, there's a, a lot of like cryptozoology coming into play with, with Gus and his adventures and the things that we've discovered on the mountain. Uh, so. Which is awesome because you're taking something that you love and turning it into a story that you can share with other people, which I, I love that. Like, I, I just think that's such a great, um, it became, great project. It it just grew because it just became like this outlet. It was just going to be like, I take 50 pictures a day of my cat. How can I share these better? So, um, so it was just supposed to be like little blogs about the cat and like cat, cat pictures. And instead, I was just like, well, clearly, you know, I need to, <laughs> they need to figure out, like, solve crimes around around New Jersey. Right. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. It's so funny. So, I mean, I crack myself up. Listen to me. I'm ridiculous. But and, you're enjoying it, and that's the best thing is, like, sometimes you, uh, even when you're working on another project or something like that, you just, you, when you feel that pull, mm you got to follow it. And we even had, you know, we even had an, uh, I can't call it an episode, I guess, a chapter that involved uh, Trump because he golfs here. So, oh, okay. Um, so there was this, talk about real life horror. Yeah. Um, I was outside and all of a sudden it sounded like a plane was about to crash in our yard. And I looked up and there were fighter jets. And they were so close, and so it was the loudest thing I have ever heard in my life. And we used to live by Newark. Yep. So, like, I've heard loud planes before. And my first apartment was next to a railroad track. <laughs> this was the loudest noise I've ever heard in my life. And um, I was like, are we at war? What is happening? I'm terrified. I'm in the woods. I'm, you know, I'm like, it's me and the cat. Yep. And so I'm like, I couldn't wait to get back inside and figure out what the hell was going on. First of all, obviously, like immediately get online. Um, but like people were coming out of their, you know, out of their houses, like what's going on? Um, so I, I was like, well, now Gus has another story that's like military espionage, you know, like yep. these things that happen in our quiet little farm town. Um, and I don't know where the planes came out of. Sure. I don't know why they were flying over our area. So I. But I, it's interesting how like it, so many different little moments or. Um, basically everything's a story, right? You know, so when yeah. you're, as a writer, you're just constantly like, everything is a, is a story seed, you know, and I'm constantly like making notes for myself or I'll, I'll, you know, put a, vo I'll leave myself a voice message on the phone or something, basically like describing a three sentences of a story that I just had an idea for or something like that. And, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of cool to, to be always thinking about, everything that you experience being potential inspiration for a story. Cause I think you pay attention to more stuff. You know, I think you, you take the time to um, take in what's going on around you because it's all inspiration. And so, you know, I'll take the dog out for a walk and, and as we're walking through different neighborhoods and we're like, there's just constant ideas going through my head. Oh, seriously. Stuff. Like take, taking the dog for a walk or getting, just getting out uh, and literally changing your scenery 
for 15 minutes. If you have writer's block, that's like the best thing I think you can do. Yeah, to me, it's like a form Go of meditation. Yes, it, it yeah. is. Go yeah. walk the dog. Um, and in my case, it's the cat. Yep. And the, the difference is like dog walks seem to be, <laughs> it used to be a lot shorter. I would take Rocky out and it would be like, okay, 20 minutes and we're back in. Um, <laughs> Gus stays out for an hour and it's like, oh, come on, mama's tired. Right. Um, so we were out for 90 minutes today and he just did not want to come in. So uh, by the time I got back in the house, my legs were just like screaming. And um, but it's funny because then I felt totally different. I, you know, it's just your head, you, the the space and the air just changes you. For sure. So you might not, you know, after 15 minutes, you might not be able to solve the the plot hole problem you're having, but you might at least come up with something to just say, okay, I can skip this part and move on to the next part with ease and, you know, at least have that break and have that confidence. And that's, um, you know, but in Henry, we are talking about the writing process and, you know, National Novel Writing Month is around the corner. It is. And um, it's definitely one of the things you and I have bonded over. So for sure. Um, uh, do you have a plan for, for this year? Are you, you know, are you participating? I am participating, but I'm participating knowing that this year is going to be uh, crazy, right? Because the thing for me about NaNoWriMo is, like, I, I'm at the point now where I like to participate in the event because of the camaraderie and because of yeah. the the sort of group aspect of it and the, and the sort of uh, momentum that you get from, from the fact that everybody's writing at the same time and everybody's a part of this thing. So I always want to be a part of those events. I think for, for me, this particular month is going to be absolutely insane. And so I am not deluding myself and thinking that I'm, I'm going to have a really solid shot at 50,000 words, but I absolutely have projects that I'm working on and are, and are going to use that. And I think that's the main thing that sort of changed for me from when I first started doing NaNoWriMo is I was very much into the rules of NaNoWriMo when I first started doing it. Like, I'm not going in with a plan at all. And and I don't usually start with a huge plan for my books anyways. Like, I kind of, I have um, sort of signposts as opposed to a full outline of a full map of exactly what I'm doing. Um, Jolene and I do more planning, obviously, for the stuff that we're writing together because we're not always writing at the same time. And so, um, but for NaNoWriMo the past couple of years, because... I might have a bunch of different projects going at the same time, I'm more likely to use that writing time to work on those as opposed to starting a completely different fresh project, which is what I used to do each time for um, for NaNoWriMo. So I think this year I may not be starting a completely new book. I may be working on the books that uh, I have in the works now that need to be finished. Okay. Yeah, and that's one of the great things about this program is that um, they have the camps a couple times during the year. Yep. And so you get a little bit of the taste of the camaraderie, and it's co- set up completely different. Um, and, and the camps are actually they're great for anybody if you're a comic book writer because you can set set it by how many hours you want to do instead of word count because word count doesn't right. matter for comics. Uh, so I think the camps are a great way to get different kinds of writers in, involved. 
And um, one of my favorite things, though, about the November event is the forums. I can't wait yeah. to start asking people questions like the cryptozoology stuff. I, totally. I was, you know, I was already like going, oh, I wish the forums were open already because <laughs> mine's outlined. I, I've been working on the outline. Yeah, I mean, the beauty of the NaNoWriMo community is that everyone is rooting for you, right? So everybody wants you to hit your word count goal. Everybody wants you to be successful. Everybody wants you to reach that finish line at the end of the month. And so any time that you hop on Twitter and follow any of the hashtags that are involved with NaNoWriMo, any time that you go on the forums at NaNoWriMo.org, um, there are people there who want to help you. They're also writing at the same time. And when you post questions, they want to answer those questions. And they want to be part of that. And they have questions for you. And so it's like that's the magic to me of NaNoWriMo is that um, the community is what I've come to appreciate the most over the past few years, whereas when I first started doing NaNoWriMo, the, the most important aspect of that to me was the fact that it got me writing every single day and it got me hitting word counts that I didn't even think were possible and it helped me figure out how to put that inner editor in a box for the time that I needed to write this first draft. And so I think those are very valuable tools, especially when you're doing nano for the first time or even the second time because those are that you may not have pushed yourself that hard before to be that consistent and write that many words on a you know straight through and not skipping any days and stuff like that and so that's a very valuable thing i think to go through when you first start doing nanowrimo and then as you get a few nanos under your belt i think everybody kind of starts to use it and i might be wrong about this but i think people start to use it for um, they get different things from it. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be the community that keeps them coming back every year, or it might be the fact that um, some people will use that time to edit their projects. And and that's why I love the camp events, because they encourage yeah. that. Yeah. In NaNoWriMo proper, you're considered to be a rebel if you are doing something other than the 50,000-word challenge, which, again, that's all tongue-in-cheek. Like, there's plenty of people that are NaNoRebels, that, and there's forums for them on mm -hmm. the Nano forum. So it's, it's something that... Um, there's no penalty for doing that, and it's kind of like yeah. um, the rebels wear that with a badge of honor, and so it's uh, it's a very welcoming place for everyone, even if you um, are not exactly following the rules of that as you go. Yeah, the timing just worked out for me because Misty Murder, um, I was able to finish and get out. And, and yeah, congratulations! By the way, I know that's out now. It is out now. Thank you. So um, my first stab at something more horror-ish, even though. And now that I just finished uh, Sleeping Beauties, that's my next read. Oh, okay. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for you to check it out. Um, it's completely unrealistic, um, but uh, but it was. It's. You, I'm glad you said you like Murder She Wrote because you will. You will then at least be my target audience. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know I'm your target audience for that. Like that's that is a love that we share for sure. Um, um, yeah. So there, we need more Agatha Christie style. We do. And I don't. I don't want Michael Bay Agatha Christie like whatever no, 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 new no, no, movie no. is out that they're doing. Like no, no, no. Uh, the, the, so. Um, so the timing just, you know, worked out really well with Misty Murder being done, and I wanted to tackle something in, um, really in particular about a particular subject, and I was like, well, you know what? I also want to do something supernatural, so why don't I tie those things together? Um, so I'm going to um, – I've done short stories that are have supernatural stuff in them before. In fact, sure. one of my – one of the stories that I think is one of my best stories is about um, – 
a young Hillary Clinton before she was Clinton, Hillary Rodham as a teenager. Uh huh. And she's uh, she basically is like recruited by these by scientists of, of other women for a very sort of BPRD ish kind of thing, but it's international where they uh, like vampire hunters and uh-huh. you know, slayers and stuff. So, um, so the Patreon backers have already had the opportunity to read that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So she was. I think I said it. Or she was like, she, she was pretty young, like sixteen or seventeen, something like that. And it's fun to to dabble in stuff that you uh, maybe don't normally write, you know, just to experiment. Because you a you either find out that this is something I want to spend more time on and really delve a little bit deeper into, or you're like, well, I got that out of my system, and maybe that's not really my thing, but at least I gave that a shot, and now I know what it felt like to write that particular kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always good to kind of well, stretch it, in those it, directions. It was just one of those things where same thing with trying to write more horror-ish was – I'm like, if this is the media I'm consuming, then, you know, why haven't I tried it? Right. You know, like, it just seemed weird. Like, you know, like I'm talking about Ghosted and Reaper and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, there are these specific things that I like. Um, I may as well try it in a longer format. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the same with comics, right? You've written yeah. for comics. I I have dabbled in comics as well, and that it's one of those things of like, man, I love this medium. I've consumed a heck of a lot of it. I should probably give it a shot and see if I would like writing it. Yeah, and I'm um, and I'm actually glad that you brought brought that up because um, the Athena Voltaire's pulp anthology is a prose anthology of short stories about the comic book character, Athena Voltaire. Mm -hmm. And that's coming out in November. So um, people can order it through their comic shops right now to make sure that they get it. Because um, as it being about a comic book character, but not a comic book, I don't know that shops would necessarily order it unless you ask. So, um, you know, big shout out to Chris Nuren and Steve Bryant for that project. Yeah, that's awesome. I did a. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've looked into the Kindle World stuff at all. The the Amazon I, stuff. Where no, you I haven't. I haven't yet. I did an Exo Man of War um, yeah. short story that's up on Kindle Worlds. You know, when they first started doing that, because I just thought that was so cool it that they were so like, cool. "Oh, you can write fan fiction about comic book characters," and I was like, "Oh, awesome! I'm gonna write this one about Exo Man of War." And so, yeah. I wrote one. Um, that means a cool company team. Very cool, very cool, and they really when they came back, they came back big time. Yeah, uh, they sure did. And Exo Man of War was a, a great book, and so yeah, that that was really fun to yeah. do. Yeah, Faith. They're doing sort of like a, a mashup now of uh, like Faith and the Future Force. So it's yep. some characters from their other books and, and Faith uh, together, and and there's going to be a Faith Holiday Special that I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, I have no idea when the Stray comic is coming out that has my backed up in it. Um, I got to do. Um, a backup of a character that was only on like a page, I think. And um, so Vito, Vito Del Sante, who's one of the creators, yep. um, asked me if I would basically write her, her story because she was a blank slate other than they had her designed. And so I was like, are you kidding me? I would jump at this chance. Like I would, uh, you know, like I will pay you to do this. <laughs> like, you know? yep. I mean, Did I ever tell you I met Vito went at a kid's comic con at, at uh, the Bronx community college. And it was when he was still working at Jim Hanley's, I think. Oh, was um, it? yeah. I, I way remember, back in the day. I, I ran into him there once. Um, it was fun. 
Yeah, it was it was way back in the day that that we I think we interviewed him for Secret Identity like super long ago. Um, but it's just so funny how like these people that you end up interviewing or talking to or meeting through the podcast stuff like a decade ago are now doing these amazing projects. And you're like, oh yeah, no, I remember when we talked to that person like years and years ago. Yeah, I know. It's like you feel that's a, one of one of the things um, I think a good podcaster and, and blogger can do is they can spot who the rising talent is going to be. Right. You know? And we spend a lot of time in Artist Alley, too, when we go to those shows, yeah. you know, and, and you, you end up being like, oh, yeah, that person is going to we're going to see a lot more of them in a few years for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really funny. So I don't have uh, I don't think I know when that particular stray issue is out. Um, and because uh, unfortunately, his other book that I absolutely loved was Action Lab: Dog of Wonder, got uh-huh. ca- got canceled, and that it actually like I my heart hurt when he told me. I'm like, no, I'm like Dog of Wonder is such a great book. Yeah, it's I mean that that's one of the um, it's almost an inevitability in comics, right? Yeah. Is that bo- books just get canceled before their time? Like yeah. I'm. Uh, Anthony and I have talked about that a few times, Anthony Johnson, about, like, okay. Umbral was a great example of a series that just, to me, was, like, so spot on and so good, and, you know, it just couldn't keep going after a certain point, and that that was really sad. But, yeah, we, we all have that list of books that were, like, I can't believe that got canceled. Truly, yeah. And then, um, you know, and then there's always new stuff. That's the, the one thing we can say about the comic world, and same thing with the book world, is there's there's always new stuff. You just have to find it. So um, IDW has a new Goosebumps comic um, coming out on October 25th. There'll be one called Download and Die with Jen Vaughn and and Michelle Wong on the creative team. So um, that's one if you – I've never read Goosebumps. That was sort of like after – my it was after mine too time. like we i think we just missed that but that is like yeah. um it's so huge and influential like i've yeah. read some goosebumps it's books it's like that generation scooby doo like the way scooby was to us you know right like for me it was uh when i was a kid it was choose your own adventure and, it was yeah. encyclopedia uh, brown encyclopedia brown which i still have uh encyclopedia brown books on my bookshelf right now oh, i that like that is maybe my favorite series ever like i just adore the encyclopedia brown um books but yeah and then hardy boys and nancy drew and stuff like that and so the goosebumps i it was a little after uh, me but i completely appreciate what what a generation of horror fans that that series yeah, created yeah you know? like the like are you afraid of the dark oh for um, sure yeah so uh so if you are a goosebumps fan check out uh, the, that there's comics coming out from idw and um one that's not Really, I, not that it's not a kid's book, but it's not, you know, uh, I guess I would say it's a teen horror, you know, or at least someone who's not afraid that there's blood on the page or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, there's a new book out called Spectacle um, by Megan Rose Gedris. She does all of the writing and art. It's really unique artwork. And uh, that is through Oni Press. And it's about uh, two twins who work in a circus so uh i thought i was like well it's you know not a creepy circus but the fact that there's a murder at the circus i thought well that's still kind of halloweeny i definitely need to mention it so um it's called spectacle and i know that uh dynamite is doing a pumpkin head book which if you remember that 80s movie with lance henriksen yeah uh that 
one is coming out soon, but Colin Bunn, I believe, is writing it. Oh, okay. And I think Puppet Master, I think Action Lab's still making Puppet Master. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, those books are great. Um, so, yeah, so there's tons of different kinds of, of comics you can dig into. And like I said, there's, you know, there's the kid, kid-friendly kid that's, like, still spooky and mystery. Sure. And, um, you know, and then you have super creepy I think that Titan Comics, I think it's Titan Comics, was doing a Evil Within series, which is based on the video game series, but it was sort of a, a story that fit in between the storylines of the two games, because the second game is coming out, I, as we record this, I believe the second game comes out tomorrow. Okay. Um, I, so yeah, that, I I didn't know what that was when I saw that name. <laughs> I was like, I don't know, I guess it's a movie I never heard of. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a it's a game series where the first one was pretty well received, and the second one looks like it's going to be amazing. It's survival horror. Oh, okay, okay, um, and obviously, like you know, people talk, like there's zombies, there's zombies and everything. So oh, sure. Um, yeah, so that's uh, you know where we are, and my so my NaNoWriMo project is outlined and going to have some supernatural goodness to it. I hope. Um, I mean, I say goodness in in the way that. It's it's like ridiculous. Yes, and, it's, and it's, well, it's all good. And yeah. so that's what I hope. I hope that you know when people get a load of these characters, they're just not like, oh my god, it's like you know we'll never read this. This is trash. Like it's you know it's somewhat intentional trash with a lesson. <laughs> oh, that's basically everything I've ever written. Um, like you know, for me, like I I wear my B horror movie. Um, love on my sleeve with everything that I do. So I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a fan of people writing their own vision and not worrying about what, you know, if people are going to think it's too far out there or if it's too whatever. Like I, if, if you have an out there idea, I want to read that idea. I want to read, I want to read, you know, the unfiltered, um, idea that you have. So uh, I'm excited for that. So like I'm used to it with comics. You know, because sure. mainly because it has the visual element to it where people love to draw crazy shit. They love their, yep. to mash up the monsters. Like, what was it? Was it like Bear Shark or Shark Bear? Uh, it was, yeah, Grizzly Shark grizzly or something shark. like that. Grizzly Shark, that yeah. was yeah. it. And something else. And, you know, uh, so it's like very sci-fi channel special type stuff. So comics, sure. you know, like comics and sci-fi network have they've got the audience for it. And so sometimes when I think about, well, if I'm writing this in prose, are people really just going to think it's like, you know, a 10-year-old wrote it and it's like not even a great 10-year-old story? The way that I kind of like to think about, like, it, I would like if people, when they read one of my books, felt like they just watched a fun horror movie. You know what I mean? That's the way I always think about it. So I... I so I tend to think like if you if you got your money's worth in terms of the entertainment from that experience, that's what I'm looking for. I'm I, I know that I'll never be like um, you know, uh, touted for my my um, highly <laughs> intricate storytelling or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm my stuff is is very much uh, sort of horror movie oriented because that's my frame of reference. I my horror comes from horror movies and so I tend to think very visually um, even when I'm writing you know prose and so that that's sort of how I think about it is like would this make a good movie that someone would rent on a Friday night and watch and and enjoy that's kind of my guiding principle about stuff that I write 
Yeah, I think that's a you know, perfectly healthy way to do it. Um, and, it, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned the, the YA audience because um, as I was reading Harrowed, I was, I was thinking of that. I'm like, you know, the, like the, the central character and, and everything is set around a high school. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, you know, I did tweet that it felt very much like Scream to me and Carrie. And I don't think back in the day, before the, I, I don't think YA had been coined back in the 70s. So I don't think anybody would have said Carrie was a YA horror. Sure. But it totally is. And, um, you know, so with, with Harrow, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, this is like, this is what YA horror really is. And I didn't know if that's where you always stay or, because I know you have some Lovecraft books and, and everything else. Like, sure. Or, or if, or if at times you do make things more gory and more graphic. Yeah, it, it's funny because um, my work before working with Jolene was uh, much more rated R, sort of adult horror. And um, because I te- because being a fan of 80s horror, I am a fan of practical effects. So I like the gore of the 80s movies because it, it, someone had to make it. And so... That's not to take anything away from the amazing digital effects that you see in movies today, but I am definitely one of those old school. I want the latex and the caro syrup and all of that stuff. Like I want, I love the the Tom Savini's and the Stan Winston's and yeah, you know yeah. the, the the Greg Nicotero's and stuff like that. I I want, I love the craftsmanship of good special effects in horror movies, and so I grew up loving that stuff and really getting. So certainly in my books, there's definitely um, gore. And this, my stuff is, is also very influenced by John Carpenter, though. And so what I, what I love about John Carpenter is that he does a great job of having his characters feel like this everyman. Someone that, he, in a lot of ways, you can watch a John Carpenter movie and be like, that could be me, or that could be somebody that I know, or that could be, um, you know, his, his uh, protagonists don't tend to be superheroes you know what i mean they don't tend to be action stars like even even the most actiony movie maybe outside of like escape from new york but if you look at a movie like big trouble in little china like kurt russell's a doofus in that movie and he is a bumbling hero and you know who has moments of like confident heroism but when you look at his other movies like you know like the thing or halloween those are regular people that horrible things are happening to and are being put in these crazy situations and they're forced to you know, um, sort of uh, become heroic in those situations, but they're they're very much sort of regular people, and so that's kind of where I come at my main characters from in those things. But they're more adult um, sort of stories. But for Harold, when Jolene and I decided to work together, um, her forte is YA, and so I had not written YA before, and so this was my first sort of um, jump into that pool and what we decided very early on is we wanted to do a love letter to the horror and slasher series that we both grew up loving. For Jolene, Halloween is her favorite um, slasher series and for me it's Friday the 13th and so there's a lot, there's so many and I keep saying that we're going to do this but there's so many references to horror movies and um, music in that book that yeah. we could do an annotated version of that and, and be like every, like every person's name, every, um, all these side characters are all influenced by people. And I'll, I'll share. I was going to say, I was going to ask you about the names because I, I gathered that some of the names must have been 
Well, I'll give you a really clear one, and, and it has a great story along with it, too. So there is... Um, so Avery and Quinn are two sort of main characters in this book. There, it, once the, the murders start happening, they end up interacting quite a bit with a detective by the name of Ray Atkins. And this detective is kind of like, not necessarily a father figure, but he's kind of sort of, um, in, in some ways, uh, you know, is that a bit in the book. But he's sort of this detective who is, um, you know, closer to the end of his career than the beginning. And he's kind of this um, sarcastic and, and sort of jaded um, type of guy who is constantly getting frustrated with Avery because she's borderline interfering with his investigation because she just um, the the sort of news hound in her and the and the the Nancy Drew part of her doesn't can't let it go and can't you know feel feels compelled to be a part of solving this mystery and so um, but this guy this character is based on and very much inspired by a character from the movie Night of the Creeps which if you have never seen Night of the Creeps it is a fantastic 80s horror movie where um, that was very much an inspiration for the movie uh, Slither. I don't okay. know if you remember that movie, Slither. Slither that, I've that, heard of. I've never heard so of it. So Nathan Fillion was in Slither. Um, it was, uh, it's sort of like these alien slugs that are possessing yeah, people disgusting. sort of thing. So, <laughs> no way so that watch. movie is very much an homage to Night of the Creeps, okay. which was sort of the first movie to do that. And, and you'll get a kick out of the trailer. I'll send you a link to it later. But um, in that movie, there is a character whose name I believe is Ray Campbell, who, oh, Ray Cameron, I'm sorry, Ray Cameron is the name of the detective in that movie, and he is played by uh, Tom Atkins. Okay. Now, Tom Atkins, you would recognize in a second if you saw him, because he has been in everything from Creepshow to uh, Halloween 3 to Escape from New York. He's the main character in Halloween 3, which is the one about the the masks, the season of the witch, uh-huh. um, where where the haunted, uh, the sort of uh, haunted Halloween masks are, are uh, killing people. And so he, and he was in The Fog with Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, he's the, the main uh, male protagonist in that movie. He's awesome. He's like my favorite, one of my favorite uh, actors of all time. And so his character in Night of the Creeps is the inspiration for the the detective character in Harrowed. And so um, this year, for my birthday, Jolene actually had a couple of print proofs made of Harrowed, because right now it's on Amazon and it's only available digitally, and we haven't put out the print version yet. And so she got a couple of print proofs made for me for my birthday. And I gave one of them to the person who runs the music store in my hometown because there's a music store in Harrowed. still have a music store? Yeah, so in the music store in Harrowed is called Deep Cuts, but the music store in real life that it's based on is called Music Outlet, and it's in Enfield, Connecticut. And the guy who runs it, his name is Gary, which is the same name as the character in the in the book, uh, he was going to close. He was actually going to close his um, music store at the end of August this summer because he was going to retire. And the outpouring of support that he got when people found out that he was closing led him to decide not to retire, basically. And so the store stayed open, and it's still there. But when I thought he was going to retire, I took one of my two proof copies of that book, and I gave it to him before I thought he was going to retire. And I said, you know, this music store has had such a profound effect on my life that I want you to know that I basically created a version of it in this book and so that it would live forever in that, you know, you're essentially the inspiration for a character in this book. And so he loved that. And so that was one of the two copies that Jolene gave me. And then I was at a horror convention in 
uh, Connecticut, the, the Connecticut Horror Fest in September, and I found out that Tom Atkins was going to be there. And so I completely freaked out because I absolutely adore him and would love to meet him anyways, but I decided that I was going to give him the second copy of this book. And so I got to meet him, and I got to I got a picture with him and stuff, so I got to meet him at the convention. I had just set up my table, and the show wasn't even open yet, but he was over sort of setting up his space, and he, I believe, is 81 now. And so he's been in the business for a very long time, but I absolutely adore him. And I had never met him, and I went over, and I got to talk to him. I gave him a copy of the book. We had a great conversation. It was like the greatest day ever. And um, he you know, asked for my email so he could, you know, reach out to me after he was done reading it and stuff like that. So it was just That's like sweet. the most amazing day. So I got to give this person who I had such great memories of growing up and watching his movies and essentially based a character on a character that he played in a movie one time, a copy of the book. And that was really, really cool. And so, so that book Harold is truly a love letter to like the movies that we grew up watching and the characters that we grew up loving. And that's just one example, that particular character. But there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of names that you'll, that are either the name of an actor or they're the name of a character from a story or a movie or something like that. So yeah, pretty much many of the characters in that book are directly influenced. And then a lot of the locations are based on places that Jolene or I grew up spending time in. Mm -hmm. Um, There's the, the diner that is part of the, the story in Harrowed is a place that um, is near Jolene. And so, you know, the music store is a place that I grew up buying all my music from. And so all, all of that stuff is very much based in um, either people or places that we know or movies and stories that we grew up enjoying. And so it's like the, the whole thing is just Easter eggs. Oh, my God. So there really is a 1975 Scorpions album that exists. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, uh, abs- That's absolutely. And the ACDC album that is referenced in there is uh, is an actual um, live album that ACDC did and stuff like that. And so, like the like stuff like that, it's just references to so um, the bands are all bands that Jolene and I both love. I'm a total '80s, you know, hair metal and oh, and sure. metal fan. And so, like all of that stuff, like everything in there is just a, a love letter to that. And then um, there's more of that too in the second in the second book, which Jolene is. Uh, making another editing pass through right now. And that one has a ton more sort of Easter eggs. But yeah, that that's what was so fun about doing Harold with Jolene is that we just were constantly like, we would write a character's name and we would write a scene or we'd be like, and this is a reference to this particular movie or this thing. So I hope we saved all of our notes in like our Google docs because we do want to do like an annotated one at some point. That'd because be like, so fun. Yeah. There's so many references in there. I've forgotten half of them. Like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was a reference to that or that particular scene or that particular thing. And so it's um, so that's a lot of fun. So this was so Harrowed uh, is, you know, subtitled as the Woodsview Murders one. And then I noticed that you have a Christmas story for Woodsview Murders. Yes. Um, Also, and now there's going to be another like book. So is the Christmas story like a short story one? The Christmas story is a short story that you should read after you read Harold. So okay. basically, um, the Christmas story is was my Christmas present to Jolene Aww. the year that we released Harold. That's so so we, we put Harold out, I believe, in October of 2015. And then uh, that particular story was 
something that I had written because we we had talked about like we knew sort of where the character arcs were going for those characters into the second book and things like that. But it was just sort of a moment in time that that uh, that sort of captures where they are after the events of the first book. And so that that, you know, after a while, we decided to put that out for other people to enjoy as well. So. So, yeah, so that was fun. And then um, Haunted is the name of the second book, which we're doing um, edits on now, and we're hoping to have out before the end of the year. And, and we, you know, it's like with every book project. We were like, oh, we plan on having it out last year, and then, you know, you go through it a few times, and you're like, ah, oh, this part could be better in this part. It, it's the whole thing of, like, the more you tinker with it, the more you sort of get sucked down the rabbit hole with it. It's so, uh, so it's yeah, taken us a little longer. Yeah, at some point you have to call it, you have to say it's done. Whether totally. You and, done or not, you have to say it, it. and I think that point is coming soon for us, but it's like we love these characters so much and we're already um, outlining the third book. We, we've already outlined the major points of the third book, so we know where the story is going even after this book that hasn't even come out yet. But yeah, this is our... This YA series is our love letter to slasher movies, and we are going to continue to have a lot of uh, nods to different slasher movies, but also like the different turns that series have, you know, from the '80s and stuff like that. So, which is uh, which is half the fun of doing that, of like, oh yeah, we have to add this thing, or we need to, you know, make sure that we have a bit more of this in book two, and um, because just like any good slasher movie sequel, you sort of have to take it up a notch in the in the second you know, in the installment and then everyone after that. So, so that's kind of where the second one's going to be. But that first book is just like such a moment in time for us because it was, uh, it really is, um, first and foremost, a mystery. And that was kind of what, that's what I love about it is that it's a good mystery, even though it has a lot of horror elements to it and it is a slasher story. It's, it's very much at its heart, a mystery. Fantastic. And, um, so before I let you go, though, uh, we had mentioned the Midnight Society group, and we mentioned Mary Rizzo and her work. I did not want to forget Flowers for the Dead, um, which I, I read before, right before Harrowed. Um, that's uh, uh, like a Dio de los Muertos yep. story. So, um, you know, this is the perfect season. You feel like, you know, if you're like me, I like reading stuff like within a certain season. Um, oh, me too. Like there, there are certain seasonal stories that you feel like it's just that time of year for. It's just you that know, time like, of year. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like the summer camp stories we did in summer were great and fun yeah. because it was that time of year, and now it's kind of like um, we're into the fall. So Jolene did a writing uh, event years ago called um, the uh, the Night Harvest, I think it was, but it was another writing showcase. You could find that at her uh, old blog that she used to do with Kristen Jett, which is called PenandMuse dot com there was the harvest one and everything was themed around a harvest um, theme. And so there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of stories in that vein too. And those are all free to read. Like the summer of scream one that I mentioned, those are all free. There's a ton of short stories from a lot of different awesome writers um, that are in that. And so there's a bunch of free horror that you can definitely read this time of year. Um, And the thing, and to go back to Mary, like the thing that I love about the midnight society group is that everybody is very different in terms of the stuff that they write. Like we're all, we all like horror and we all sort of write, you know, horror themed books, but everybody's stuff is just so different, you know? And so that's kind of cool because I'm always inspired by what those guys are doing because it's outside of my wheelhouse. And so it's kind of neat to be, um, 
constantly interacting with people who are who are taking a different angle at the same thing that you all love, and that's kind of cool. Good, yeah. And um, Misty Murder is uh, is my latest, and I did set that uh, also in the fall. Cardiac Arrest is set in uh, in October. Like I did, I actually wrote them. I wrote Cardiac Arrest, and then Full Body Manslaughter, and then Miscarriage of Justice. Like boom, boom, boom. So it's sort of um, I made them intentionally run together as far as like early fall, late yep. fall, and then um, like the end of winter. So um, so that's how that series is designed to to run. Um, but Misty Murder is uh, part of it. It takes place at a horror convention, things like a Comic-Con, but specifically for horror nerds. So I, I, that's why I tried to bring in these horror elements, even if I didn't quite... I don't know. So I can't wait for you to read it and then tell me... Oh, I'm dying to read it. And, I, and like I said, I just finished up Sleeping Beauty, so I'm going to read that. And uh, and before we go, I just wanted to mention that if um, if people want to check out the... Parted Veil series, which is my my sort of uh, parts of the series are tied to Lovecraft. Parts of the series are tied to uh, Robert Chambers, The King in Yellow. But they're all very much um, set in modern time and also very influenced by, you know, uh, there's a heavy John Carpenter influence, I think, in okay. that stuff, too. But I have a novella that's actually coming out tomorrow as we record this that is um, sort of a a 3.5 book in the series. So the first book is Courting the King in Yellow. The second book is Lovecraft's uh, Curse. The third book is Lovecraft's Pupil. And then this book that's coming out tomorrow is called Chasing the King in Yellow. And it's kind of a sequel to the first book in the series, but it also sort of catches up with some characters that have been in the background of the past uh, couple books. And so it's sort of a, uh, it's sort of like a 3.5 book because the fourth book in the series is going to be coming out next year. Okay. So, well, happy book birthday on Friday the 13th. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah, that's. I knew I had to have something for for this year. And the cool thing is, like, I do that um, show in Connecticut each year, that horror show, and I try to have a new installment of the series every year or a new book to share. And so this year it, I, I put out the print copy of that as a sort of um, pre-release debut at that show, and now the uh, the book's going to be released digitally um, and in print tomorrow. So. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes, it's nice to have something out there at this time of year, like you said, with Misty Murder. You know, it's yeah. nice to have a, a book when people are all Halloween-y. You can be like, oh, you, you're into the season? Well, then you can go check out this thing that I have out right now. Yeah, exactly. And there's, um, you know, and plus it's just one of those things to get, for, for I guess for our types, I, I say, book people that where winter is coming, it's dark. I'm tired at 5 o'clock because it's so freaking dark. Sure. Um I want to be in bed and I, you know, and reading like that's, you know, that's my winter. I've got, I've got plenty of TV to watch. I really do. Um, so, uh, in fact, I'm way behind on certain things. Oh, but, I'm always behind. I'm terrible. Yeah. So uh, it's just, you know, winter to me, winter coming up means like it's a really good book time. Like, the, like you specifically have beach reads, you know, like that's sure. a thing is, you know, you get specific books ready to come out for July because you want beach reads. So, um, yeah, so my my books, I think, are good um, snuggling up reads. <laughs> yeah, and I fly through books this time of year. Like, this is a good, like, fall and winter are good reading times for me. And so I do find that I, like, I read more books and I read faster at this time of year. Like, I, I just blew through um, that Sleeping Beauties book with the Stephen King one, and that was, like, 700 pages. Wow. And, um, which... 
in the grand scheme of things is not humongous, but like that was a pretty, uh, pretty big That's book. And I, I flew through it and I was like, man, this just, this time of year just clicks with me where like I can, I can really get into books and, um, and dive through them. It seems like summertime, there's just too much going on and I feel like I don't have as much reading time. And, but once, once the, especially with my kids, like once the school year settles in and we're in sort of a nightly routine of like things wind down at a certain time of night and then, uh, I end every night reading. So there we go. That sounds great. Well, where can people find you online? Um, I know you mentioned a couple sites like um, sure Midnight Society and stuff. So where can they find you? So my blog is cbrianwright.com, and um, sometimes I'm really good at updating it, and sometimes I'm not so good. Uh, I, actually, I'm looking at a post right now. There was a uh, someone had did a list of books that you should read if you liked it. Okay. And one of the books that they recommended is an anthology that Jolene put together with Kristen Jett the and Jesse Sakarian. Right? Yep, Dark Carnival. And so I had a short story in that. That is a fall-themed book. It's sort of like a twisted carnival, something wicked this way comes sort of anthology. And I want to say there's like 40 stories in it. And it's uh, it's only like a buck. <laughs> yeah, it's, nine, okay. it's 99 cents over at Amazon. So Dark Carnival, an anthology of horror um, but I only remember that because I just saw it over on my blog. So yeah, C. Brian Wright is the blog. Uh, Twitter is at C. Brian Wright. So that's another good place to find me between those two places. And then MidnightSocietyTales.com. That's the Midnight Society site that I write over with um, all those other great writers that I mentioned uh, earlier. And we have a lot of fun over there. So if you are reading Sleeping Beauties, if you want to join in the book chats that we're going to do, or if you'd like to um, jump into live tweets and have discussions about horror movies from the eighties that we're sort of revisiting and stuff like that. Like there's, we have a lot of fun with that group. So cool. All right. And you guys, um, can follow me on Twitter at Elizabeth Amber and, uh, Instagram is, you know, mostly pictures of Gus. Um, but since if you're, it's sort of a, uh, like you said, an annotated version of a story. <laughs> if you follow the Instagram, you, which is at Amber unmasked, then you will get some pictures of Gus that end up leading into the Adventures with Gus stories that are on AmberUnmasked.com. And Patreon supporters um, get to read things first. They get to um, actually get some of the, the NaNoWriMo information they get before anybody else before I put them together and release them publicly. And uh, so I I think that's pretty much everything. So amberunmasked.com is the main website to find me and patreon.com slash amberunmasked to sponsor all my work. And I really appreciate that people do because um, it's, it's fantastic and it really makes writing, you know, somewhat uh, possible writing and podcasting. And yep. um, especially when my podcasting hosting fee, like apparently the bandwidth like really exceeded the last, oh, tell me about the it. last two episodes. So I was like, why did my fee just go up 500%? So um, they're like, well, you went up the bandwidth. And I'm like, oh, Christ, like, really? Like, right. I'm like, yeah, it's like the show gets more what? popular and it costs more money. Yes. I'm like, yep. that Brad Abraham. That's what yep. it, that's, <laughs> so yeah, when you have great novelists on like Brad Abraham and uh, Howie Knoll talking about mental health and stuff like that, then uh, you know all these comic book novelist crossover people. Uh, yeah, I think the good news is you'll save some money on me this month. Like you, you aw. won't. That won't tax the bandwidth anywhere near as much. But uh, <laughs> but I really appreciate you having me on the show. I mean, I, obviously, I love to talk horror, but we have a lot of fun whenever we get together. Yeah. So. Um, 
and we both have books out this time of year, which is super fun, too. And I, that I don't think has happened before, so that's really fun, too. I know. It's so great. All right. Well, uh, so it's Brian Latendry and um, and his writing partner is Jolene Haley. She's been on the yep. show before, too. So definitely check out the books they write together and separately. And you can check out my books. Um, we're all on, on Amazon. It's the easiest place to find us. Yep. So, um, all right. You, uh, if I don't talk to you, well, I'm sure I will. Have a good Friday the 13th. You too. <laughs>